Hey everyone, welcome to Queerly Recommended, the podcast where we recommend queer films, books, TV shows, video games, and more. I'm Tara Scott, and I review queer women's fiction at the Lesbian Review, Smart Bitches, Trashy Books. And today I am recommending a romance novel. Chris is out this week, so I persuaded one of my best friends to join me instead to come and talk about all things queer media. Amanda, say hi to everybody and let them know what you are recommending. Hi, I'm super excited to be here as a longtime fan of you, I guess, but also of the podcast. And for people who have been paying attention, when I've talked about my friend Amanda in the past, it's this friend! The one from Toronto. The friend from Toronto. That's right. Truly, truly. A friend of the podcast. And now in the podcast. (laughs) So if you're listening and you would like to support the show, please uh, contribute to our coffee. It's a site that lets you support your favorite content creators, including Queerly Recommended. And if you're interested, uh, we have a link in the show notes, or you can visit coffee.com slash Queerly Recommended. So Amanda, what would you like people who are listening to know about you so that they can get to know you a little better? You know, what's really funny is that I never thought about that whatsoever when you asked me to do this. I was just like, I'm just going to like run my mouth a little bit. Nobody actually needs to know who I am. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I um, I live in Toronto and I'm obsessed with the city. You know, I talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. I am a writer both professionally and creatively. I'm a, a UX writer, content designer uh, professionally and enjoy writing short stories and novels and poetry in my free time Mm -hmm. and yeah that's me that's me so how did we meet oh (laughs) (laughs) how how deep in do you want so i don't know if you remember this like you i mean obviously you remember that you hired me at a company that we both used to work for but during the interview we connected over Doctor Who, which was that it? I left. <laughs> yeah. I left that interview being like, "Yeah, that was amazing. I nailed that." Because we spent half of it talking about Doctor Who, which is really funny because I don't. I, I'm awful. I know there was just an amazing Doctor. I'm not really caught up, but I think that's really funny because that was a very long time ago. Oh yeah, it was eleven years ago. <laughs> oh I, yeah. I mean. It's funny, but we actually have my oldest kid to thank for us meeting because you were my maternity leave replacement. I was. Yeah, that's right. You're welcome. Right? Actually, right. no, you you just said you should thank your child, not me. But <laughs> are we thanking me for your child? Is that, is no, that what's happening? You definitely okay. did not have a hand in me having a child. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably a relief to lots of people yeah. who are listening. Yeah, you just took over my entire workload when... I'm sorry, American listeners, I'm sorry. This was also back when Canada had a year-long mat leave and not the year and a half long that's available now. Yep. Yep, so you had to hire people to replace you. Yes. And I I don't think I was, like, the most checked in at that point at that particular workplace. I was probably so excited that was like, you're a nerd, too. <laughs> so you t- you told me that afterward, but I never, I never recognized that at the time. What I felt was I finally had somebody who trusted me and gave me agency in a workplace because I was still a, I was a little bit of a, a youngster at the time. I was still kind of green. Um, I think I only yeah. had about four years under my belt. Hadn't had the best experiences so far with other management. And I just really needed somebody to believe in me. And that, that person was you, Tara. You helped kickstart my career. So, Yay. Look at us now. Thriving. I know. Thriving. It's been it's been really interesting years because um, we both got to see each other on our queer journey as well. Like I knew you before you were out and you knew me before I was out. So yeah, that's I mean, we knew each other before we were out, even to ourselves. I mean, that's kind of the uh, funny part. When we met, we were just two straight ladies. That was for sure. 100% who we were. (laughs) That was all we knew. I was 
definitely yep. not bi or pan. I was definitely not genderqueer. 100%. Mm. I was still in the church at the time. I was still fully in the church. Right. And you were not in the church, but you were definitely a very straight person. I was very... Um, I mean, that's the bi story, right? Like, you, totally. you, you're straight, but you like this person you know like you're i'm straight but i it's okay to have a crush on emma stone and go to every single thing she's putting out there right like but i'm straight <laughs> yeah well and I, I think in my case i may i can't remember if i've talked about this on previous podcast episodes i probably have but like because i was still in the church and when i say the church i mean like evangelicalism so very much mm-hmm. like right-wing fundamentalist high control context i didn't recognize and i mean it was almost convenient being by because i liked enough boys that i could say that i was straight like it's well clearly i obviously must be straight and i ended up marrying a man who's wonderful and still you know the right partner for me but like again well i obviously must be straight and it's like yeah until Somebody rips the lid off the box and says, what the fuck is that? <laughs> like, are you sure? Yeah. What's that? Yeah. So, and I mean, I know you weren't deeply religious, but also it's very easy. Like you also came from a small town, kind of similar to how I did. And the kind of town that like, yeah, we might have grown up like thousands of miles apart, but I have a feeling our towns are kind of similar in the sense that like, it's not a great place to be queer. No. No, and I didn't know bisexuality was a thing, period. Like, you were mm-hmm. gay or you were not gay, which is why I was not gay. Like, yes. those were the two, th- those were the only options. Yes. Which is really unfortunate because I feel like if there was more education, if there was more acceptance, I could have figured that out a lot easier a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's that's many people's stories. I know I'm not special there. <laughs> yeah. Lucky us. It is. It's been kind of interesting to see, though, um, because I have a handful. We've talked about this before. We like both of us are quite similar in that we have a handful of best friends or like, you know, very, mm-hmm. very close friends. It's not like there's any one person. I mean, Neil is definitely my person. But apart from <laughs> Neil, my best friends, for the most part, have all turned out to be queer. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when we became friends, as far as I knew... Most of them were not or or they weren't out at the time. And so it's been kind of fun to see that my own personal inner, inner circle is just like, it's just so gay and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's wonderful. Right? No, no, I similar things have happened to me to sure. the point where pretty much my main community every day is just queers and right it was never intentional um but you know we just kind of find each other and you go like you you go to what you need even if it's subconscious so yes so something i want to ask you about is you have actually been to a few different prides this year and i don't mean like different events at like toronto pride but you've been to like a few different cities pride events this year. What was that like? And like, what were the what were the differences? What were the things that were cool? What maybe was less cool? Yeah, it, um, that was really interesting because I actually didn't travel more than a few hours. My girlfriend actually has to work for pride events because her her company puts her in in the parade. And um, she invited me to go with, and of course I said yes. So I did have the opportunity to to travel a little bit for that. And it's so interesting how different it can be just a couple hours away. So I did go to, I didn't go to Toronto's main parade this year because I was, uh, it was just before I was traveling home for the first time in a while. And with COVID out there, I did not want to risk getting sick. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys can tell, I'm actually sick right now with a cold, not not COVID, but I was worried about, uh, you know, catching the plague before going to Saskatchewan, which is where I'm originally from. But I did go to the Trans March uh, in Toronto here, and it was packed. Like, usually the Trans March has obviously a good turnout, but people were just so excited to show up 
after, uh, you know, after the pandemic that it was just so, so, so busy and really, <laughs> you know, scared me from going to anything else that whole weekend because Toronto can be really, really insane. And then the next one we went to was London and London, Ontario, London, Ontario, not the UK for, not for the people listening one. in. Sorry. Not the good one. It's, Sorry, it's funny before, right? Before I moved here, London just meant the UK, period. And then when I moved to Ontario, every single time I mentioned London, everybody assumed I meant London, Ontario. Nobody's ever talking about London, Ontario. Why would <laughs> Unless you you're that? from Ontario. And <laughs> Unless that's... you're from Ontario. And London, so London, Ontario is actually, it's two hours from where I grew up and where my parents and one of my brothers and my whole extended family lives, actually. So it's like, I'm familiar. It's not right. the good London. Sorry. It's it's <laughs> not the good London. And that really kind of was, so I'm not, I'm not dissing on London, London people. I'm really not. But it was, it really contextualized pride for me because I know that a lot of people struggle. A lot of us queers struggle with the corporatization of pride. And just being out in London really reminded me why it's still important in a lot of areas to actually have those opportunities. Tanya and I were um, holding hands, walking down the street, and we're being honked at and yelled at. In 2022, in Canada, in Ontario, yeah. only a couple hours uh, away from Toronto, which is insane to me. I was so shocked. And then also just actually participating in the parade and seeing all of these like bright eyed young queers just light up when, when, you know, like when somebody like me just waved to them because I was in the parade, just seeing how much it meant to them to have something like that was phenomenal. Like I'm, I'm still getting chills just thinking mm -hmm. about it. So that was a, that was an incredible experience. I was uh, very honored to be able to take take um, part in that. And then we went to Ottawa, which was probably like a good middle ground between the two. Like it was far more like corporate and like run of the mill, but also a lot smaller than mm -hmm. Toronto. So um, I was like per personally a little irritated that the prime minister didn't show up because it's like blocks away from his house. But you know, yeah. he, he's already done it once or twice. He's He's uh he's gone on camera to to say that he's a an ally or whatever. So I guess that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. For people that don't know, <laughs> Ottawa is the capital of Canada. So yes, uh, Justin Trudeau should have perhaps considered showing up. But I don't know. Maybe he and the fam were on vacation or something. Um, they were not because he was definitely there the next day announcing. Oh, that was right before he talked about raising a flag for residential school survivors the very next day so or like two days later i mean raising a flag is cool but you know what's even better paying fucking reparations yeah yeah getting water to all the communities what yeah renegotiating treaties that are actually fair and balanced he has a flag though he's got a flag now it's okay he's got a flag anyway we digress <laughs> no that's okay so we are actually going to stick with the same format as a regular show because you also enjoy queer media just as much as Chris and I do. That is why you're here. I do. Yeah. Ironically, I was thinking about all the things I've been reading and watching lately and they were all queer. So I was like, oh, I guess that works. It's perfect. So in that case, Amanda, what have you been reading or watching lately? I have been Rewatching for me, but for the first time for my girlfriend, a queer little anime called Yuri on Ice. And if you guys ever want to do a whole episode about the show or an official recommendation, I am your person because this is one of my favorite little shows. I've watched it like 10 times in the past half year. It's just very sweet and warm. And it's one of those things somebody had recommended to me years ago. And I was kind of like, why, why would anybody watch a figure skating anime? Like, that's, that doesn't <laughs> sound like something I would do. So I just never, ever, you know, kind of thought about it under the impression that it was going to be, I don't know, a little too cutesy or too family friendly or something like that. Because I like, you know, more uh, adult content, I guess you could say. But I was looking up lists of queer anime specifically because I was just in a mood for that as apparently you get into and that was the number one on like mm -hmm. all the lists so i was like okay well i guess i should give this thing a shot and i fell in love with it immediately yeah 
It's uh, it's warm. It has like you know an amazing plot twist. It has like a great romantic like journey, uh, and then it's also like a love story to figure skating, which. For me, I've had a, a bit of a complicated, I don't want to say history because I don't have a history with figure skating, but growing up I had, you know, very strong like gender feels about specific things and I was not, mm-hmm. I was very adverse to things that girls were supposed to do. So girls were supposed to figure skate, boys were supposed to play hockey. Girls were supposed to play with Barbie dolls, boys were not. And I was so adverse to all of that, even as a child. So Obviously, I didn't know it was a gender thing back then. I recognize that now. But as a child, like the second I could get rid of figure skates and put on hockey skates, I immediately did it because I didn't want to be girly. But one of these the things this show kind of helped reintroduce was, um, yeah, I'm down for some like gender fuckery and watching like men do quote unquote feminine things like ice skating. So yeah, yeah. So the Olympics, I got really into watching the men's ice skating and the women's hockey. And it was fantastic. That sounds super good. And you have convinced me to go check out this show. Because I've seen, like, Courtney Milan is a romance author that I've seen talk about the show a lot. And then I think when she talks about it, I see other people pile on like, oh, yeah, it's the best. It's amazing. Blah, blah, blah. But I wasn't exactly sure what it was. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like I need to do it. Is that, what platform is it on? Or is it on like the anime platform? Yeah, it's on Crunchyroll. And uh, okay. yeah, I won't go too deep into it, but it's it's quite the production. Like they spent a lot of money and time and, and effort on like a score and on locations and on all of this beautiful animation. And yeah, like even if you're just an animation fan, it's gorgeous. So check it out. That sounds so good. Okay, so what else? What else? I'm not super far into it, but I've been reading She Who Became the Sun by uh, Shelley Parker Chan, which is like a a Chinese fantasy novel that has been compared a little bit to Mulan because the protagonist has a brother who dies and she takes his place to become a monk Mm. and has to pretend to be a boy throughout the book so that she can essentially reach whatever she believes her destiny to be and eventually there's supposed to be some queer happenings from what i hear and um it's really interesting so far so i'm really excited to finish that one yeah and then you have one more i do i've got one more so um man i did not plan on coming on this thing to talk about my girlfriend nonstop. so i apologize for that but the next thing no no come on She's great. She is great. Yes. I I mean, I guess she's all right. <laughs> You're such a dork. Uh so as you know, one of my one of my favorite book series is the Simon Snow series. I've talked to you to you about it a lot. It's a queer like mm-hmm. meta sort of series that was originally vaguely based on Harry Potter. It's basically like what if Harry Potter and Draco Malfoy fell in love? which again is simplifying it because it's its own world and it's very beautiful and awesome. But anyway, Tanya knew how much I liked these books and she ended up buying the Chinese versions of them so that she could read them. And so we started reading them together, like side by side, like me just sitting there reading the English and her reading the Chinese. And then that way she can like you know, look over at me and be like, hey, like, what did what did this actually translate to? And we can sit there and compare notes. And it's super ridiculous and nerdy. That's the cutest <laughs> fucking thing I've ever heard of. It's like your own little personal two-person book club. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I don't know what I've become. It's gross. But anyway, Tara, what have you <laughs> been reading and watching lately? <laughs> okay. So as will surprise literally no one, I have continued watching all of the drag races. The drag race down under has finished. It was eh, I guess, Aww. is what I would rate this season. But I really liked the queen who won. It's a queen named Spanky Jackson who did not have the most elaborate or most expensive costumes. And like you can tell, it's very, you know, some of the costumes were quite a bit like lower quality, but had the absolute most charisma and was like super fun to watch. So I was happy to see her win because also she was talking about like as part of her story, she had been 
she had been a full-time drag queen in Australia. I forget where it was in Australia, but she had to move back to the small town in New Zealand that she was from to take care of her dad when her dad got sick. And so, like, that whole being a professional drag queen thing had to go away for a while. Mm. And now with winning Drag Race, she's moving back to Australia, living her dream again. And so I'm like, hooray, this is wonderful. Secret Celebrity Drag Race also just happened. It's their second season. And it was all right. It it was okay. They did something that was really interesting. They did, um, it was like a masked singer style. And so when the show started, there were eight celebrities who were all done up as drag queens and they were performing. And then at the end, you know, the bottom two still had to lip sync for their life. And the one who lost would reveal their identity. Mm. And so kind of like week after week, you learn who it is. And the I'll, I'll, I mean, it's all kind of out there in the news. So I'm, I will share a couple of spoilers. So when the first one was Loretta Devine, I'm like, they made this woman in her 70s lip sync like this twice. Like, she was wonderful. And then I hope you're okay with me uh, outing you in this way. (laughs) I mean, you're all real queer, but I don't know anyone in the history of the world who has ever loved the Backstreet Boys more than you, which I think is one of the most incredible details of all, because I don't think, I think if I don't know. It's just like you kind of have to know Amanda and that she's like, no, I'm a dark, angry person. And it's like, back streets, back. Okay. <laughs> okay. This feels angry like person. a lot of judgment. It's not judgment. I said, I love this about you. <laughs> so AJ McLean was in it. Amazing. And did. Uh, makes, and it was so funny because I love you, but have not gotten into the Backstreet Boys enough to know who that was. But, like, actual fans were all immediately like, that's it! Wow. That's A.J. McLean. Like, they just knew between, like, the tattoos and the voice and the... Yeah. I mean, especially because, like, he sounds like a dude Mm -hmm. when he talks, right? Yeah, he's got a very specific voice. He has a very specific... But did so well. Cool. I mean, I think he brought... Not the singing. I mean, obviously because it's lip syncing he wasn't bringing that part of his talent to play but he knows how to work audiences he knows how to perform he knows how to dance and has an incredible work ethic and brought all of that Mm -hmm. to bear and yeah i mean he's been doing it since he was a child so that makes sense yes Yes, he was great. And honestly, I was really, I was quite happy with the top three. There was him, there was Tatiana Ali, who was the little sister on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. She was, she was incredible. And then there was another one. (laughs) He's in Hacks. I forget what else he was in. His name's Mark something or other. I don't know. But he was, he was also great. And when he was made up in drag was beautiful. Cool. so 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 that was i mean it was fun it's not it's not the best drag race season by any means but i think like if you want something kind of fun and mindless to put on in the background it's a good choice yeah and then i've been listening to a couple of books lately Hmm. so one of them is called sand talk and it's by tyson yunkaporta who is from i believe australia and it's a nonfiction book, so and it's not the kind of book that I typically would talk about on here, but I do think it's worth people checking out because he's basically saying, what if we used indigenous thinking to solve some of the world's problems? Because we've gotten so far away from that kind of thinking, especially when you get to systems level. And frankly, the world is fucked. Like, what if we could unfuck the world by returning to these indigenous ways and Hmm. i think it's one that might be better served by reading rather than listening i'm not actually sure it's a little tough to say because he talks at the beginning about how like in his culture oral traditions are such a big deal and so i mean given that i think it is interesting to listen to it but also there's a lot of um symbols and if you're listening to the book, he has to describe the shapes of the symbols. You don't get to see it in the same way that you do if you get the book. So I don't know. Choose your own adventure. Maybe get both versions. And then that way you can <laughs> look at wrong. the symbols while you listen to him tell you. But one of my uh, – a former coworker that I used to work with when I worked at um, a national uh, research and policy uh, mental health nonprofit, 
she shared it on her Facebook sometime earlier this year, just saying that like that book absolutely just shook her. And so, yeah, I am going on that journey. If anybody else would like to also go on that journey and then you can find me on Twitter and talk to me about it later. <laughs> and the last book is The Memory Librarian by Janelle Monet. Did you know she had a book? I had no idea. No. It's a short story collection, and they all take place in the same world that she created in her album, Dirty Computer. What? Yeah. Did you listen to that album? Yeah. Yeah. Somehow, I was aware of Janelle Monae, but I had never really listened to her music, and now I'm not listening to any other music. I am only listening to Janelle Monae, because I didn't realize that her albums are all fiction yeah like it's all storytelling Mm -hmm. yeah it's pretty cool i can't so i I should caveat that i'm you know i'm not i'm not super familiar uh i think she's fantastic Mm -hmm. uh one of my good friends priscilla really you know kind of introduced me to janelle's stuff and uh no Mm -hmm. it's 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 so interesting how there's these queers doing all this really cool different things that a lot of people just are not aware of and they're never the ones winning the awards when they should be winning all of the awards. Oh, 100%. And so I actually recommend for people, like, listen to Dirty Computer. Whether you've listened to it before or you haven't, you should still, if it's been a minute, you should listen to it again. And then read the book. So I made it through three, I think of the stories before I had to return it to the library. It just kind of like hit at a weird time. And I immediately put it back on hold because I want to listen to the remaining stories, but then go listen to dirty computer after, because Mm. for me, some of the songs hit differently, just knowing like who the characters are and who the places are. And there's a song called Jane's dream. And we see Jane in one of the stories. There's the track called Pink, which is the one that that, uh, Janelle Monae does with Grimes. And we learned more about that in another of the short stories. So I think there was like different Black authors helped write all of the stories. Like, I don't know how much was actually Janelle Monae during the writing versus these authors, but so good really really interesting Mm -hmm. and i think it would be an official recommendation if i had actually finished it (laughs) but i don't know how the rest of the stories go and i don't it's tough with short story collections Mm. because you never know is it going to be a collection where every story is awesome are some of them going to be less awesome and so i can't give it an unqualified recommendation yet but for the three that i've listened to they are pretty great yeah, I had no idea she did that. So that's uh, that's pretty badass. Yeah, I mean, she's basically just continues to be the coolest at everything all the time ever. <laughs> I wonder what that's like. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like Probably you just know. requires a lot of confidence. True, true, true. So because you are a guest to the show, we will switch up the order of the official recommendations. Usually I go last, and this time I am going to go first. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) So I am recommending Purposefully Accidental by G. Benson. This is a contemporary romance that came out pretty recently. Yeah, it's it's a really fun one. I had a really good time with it. I read some of it kind of over the last week or two but then i just read the whole last half on sunday just like let's get this thing done because it was very hard to put down i mean it's a romance of course there's two leads but one of them is an a-list actress her name is ren acker she's like hollywood sweetheart even though she's redheaded i imagined her as almost like a reese witherspoon type so she's like she's won three oscars she's doing incredible But she came out within the last year or so. She decided to tell everybody, hey, guess what? I'm a lesbian. So that's kind of her, that's that's her new truth, being an out queer A-lister in Hollywood. Uh, But the story actually opens with her getting into a car accident. She has to go to the ER. And when she's there, she's trying to figure out, like, who is this doctor? Because the doctor that's treating her is actually pretty hostile Hmm. to her. And then she finally figures it out and it's just this like gigantic holy shit moment because the doctor 
is Madison Taylor. And they met each other at summer camp back when they were nine. And it's a big deal because when they were nine, they hit it off super, super big. And Ren had a crush on Madison and said, I dare you to kiss me. And Madison said, okay, and tried to go for it. And Ren freaked out so much at how big her feelings were that she pushed her over and ran away. (laughs) And they didn't talk again after that. And it was just like, (laughs) okay. So it kind of stood out to me a little bit as like, what? And then it's like, yeah, okay. But like grudges can be weird things. And like sometimes stuff that doesn't seem like that big of a deal can absolutely, especially if there's been zero closure, be this thing that continues Mm -hmm. to grow. And so like now they're 34 or 35. And Madison still has this grudge because all she knows is that, like, this girl that humiliated her and pushed her down went on to become some, like, famous fucking actress. <laughs> and it turned into it, – it was kind of funny how it came about because um, – so Ren typically does movies. She was in a, in a miniseries the year prior where she played a doctor. Madison is like, yeah, you you all got some things wrong. And the show actually gets a second season. So it's not just a mini series now. It's like, I don't know, two mini series or okay. Like, or is it just a series now? I don't know. But Ren happens to say, yeah, I got some feedback that we didn't get everything done right medically. And there was just this like, what? How? What? And she sort of like accidentally suggests perhaps you want Madison as the medical consultant. <laughs> And Madison says yes. And so she's hanging around on the set the whole time. All right. Yeah. And so even though like she still, she doesn't like Ren, but she has to coach Ren. And she also has her own, like it's kind of hinted at like something big happened to her before. And because this something big happened, she doesn't want to spend time at Hmm. home. So she's turned into a workaholic. And she's pushed all of her friends away. And she's been working so much overtime that her workplace is like, you need to take some vacation. <laughs> so when the TV show comes and says like, hey, you want to come consult for us? She was like, sweet, I can take a vacation and not have to be in my home or not have to be alone the whole time. Hmm. And so they sort of just like, it kind of goes from there. And somehow like the grudge dissolves and the public start to think that they're a couple. Okay. And that's where it turns into a fake relationship romance. And so I know that was kind of a lot all at once. But I think the first thing to say that I loved about this is it felt like somebody just like, and by somebody, I suppose, I mean the author, shoved her hand into a bowl of everyone's favorite tropes and pulled a bunch of shit out and said, here you go. (laughs) You want something? We got something. We have an enemies to lovers situation. We have like an unresolved from the past situation. We have a medical situation. We have a Hollywood romance. We have a fake (laughs) relationship romance. It has a wicked, like a super, super, super slow burn to it. So if people like slow burn romances, this is definitely a big one to check out. I thought it was interesting that the fake relationship part, because I thought because even in the blurb, the blurb says when Madison ends up working on Ren's set as a medical consultant, everyone's suddenly assuming, uh, suddenly everyone's assuming they're a couple. And so I was like, oh, okay, cool. Fake relationship romance. And I'm at the halfway mark and I'm like, what's this fake relationship? <laughs> what has happened? And then it happens and it makes sense and it's good. A couple of other things that I really liked. One of them is it has really strong ADHD rep for Madison and it really... It's not just like dropping the fact that she has ADHD and moving on or being like slightly distracted in one moment, but having that show up very regularly throughout the story and showing the ways that she set up some systems that help her do things like help her do the things she needs to do at work or at home, showing how, you know, she doesn't always hear her GPS telling her to turn somewhere. Mm as an example and it's like well what does that mean when you're in LA mm. well, that means you're fucked because you yeah. <laughs> did not take the turn you needed to take and you need to take a detour and you need to and so I found that really interesting yeah. especially you know being married to somebody and the parent of somebody who has ADHD like just seeing how that plays out in a regular life and not having it be just a token moment mm-hmm. I thought was really effective cool And then I think there were 
Okay, so there were two other things that I really liked. One of them is that it kind of stresses the importance of celebrities coming out and showing, like, is it realistic that as an A-list actor, Ren comes out the way she right. does? I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know. Possibly not. I mean, does Kristen Stewart count as A-list? Yeah. Because I, I think she's probably the closest. Yeah. That we have. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure the audience will have a list of other people that I'm not thinking of right now. But yeah, no, you're right. Like, there's definitely this, that's a lot of pressure. (laughs) That's what I'm going to say about that. Oh, totally. And like, I'm not saying there aren't queer A-listers, 100% there are, but like, how many of them are able to come out? But the thing that I loved was seeing a couple of interactions that Ren has with fans, where the fans talk about how... You know, it's, it was so important that you came out because it helped my parents understand that it's okay for me to be queer. And I thought that was really lovely. And it is a great reminder that actually to a certain, like, yes, that actually can be true to a certain extent that it can help humanize queer people, frankly, Mm -hmm. for you know, those of us who have family members that maybe aren't as accepting, then you can say, well, look at this person. Mm -hmm they're still a good person. They're still, they're still succeeding. They're still thriving. They're still doing well. And I too can continue to do that. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really incredible. And then I think the point that you particularly might appreciate, I know I thought was fucking adorable. (laughs) Once they're together, Madison discovers that there is a such thing as fanfic. (laughs) And not only does she discover the fanfic exists, but that there's fanfic about a whole bunch of Ren's characters. (laughs) And just like becomes obsessed with it, and I was like, "Amazing! This is the cutest." <laughs> I love. I, I love that you casually called me out as a fanfic writer to an entire audience of podcast listeners. You just called yourself out. I could have been saying that you were a fan. <laughs> sure, you did it to yourself. Do do do. Amazing. <laughs> that sounds like fun. Yeah, super fun. It's and like the writing is really clever and funny in quite a lot of spots and poignant in others. So yeah, I quite enjoyed it. I definitely recommend it, especially if, you know, somebody's having a pretty heavy week. Mm. Although, I mean, so like I said, Madison does have like this big kind of difficult thing that happened to her before in the past. Right. And unfortunately, it's that, you know, she was married and her wife died. Mm. But I think it's handled really, really well. Okay. I wasn't going to talk about it kind of in the in the sense of trying to avoid spoilers, but I also think the world is a difficult, shitty place right now, and people yeah. need to kind of understand what could or could not be difficult content yes. for them. I didn't find it overwhelmingly sad. I also have not lost a partner in the same way, of course, but I thought the way that it was handled and the way the way Ren handles it also like building a relationship with someone who's still very much grieving the loss of their spouse was really beautiful. And there is enough humor to balance it out. So I think, you know, it's an interesting, nuanced, layered, fun, lovely story. And I definitely recommend it. I mean, you've sold me, which is, you know, one of those interesting things is, uh, you know, that I tend to lean toward MLM over W. LW for similar reasons like I was talking about earlier you know younger gender stuff that I'm still you know probably need to figure out at some point but yeah like that sounds super interesting to me so kudos you're great at your job hooray thank you (laughs) (laughs) all right so Amanda what is your official recommendation this week my official recommendation is something that I picked because we have watched it together so I thought it'd be fun to talk about with you specifically and it is several years late so there's a chance that people listening have already watched this show it is the untamed on Netflix it is a Chinese fantasy show basically um you know this entire really cool epic type fantasy that I'm very unfamiliar with and have absolutely no uh, context to talk about it. So we're going to stumble through it for a little bit, I think. 
but yeah, it's it's uh, it's a show that was based on I think either a web comic or a web novel. That is BL, which stands for boy love, and it is a popular genre in Asia. But obviously, when they turned it into a TV show in China, the censors don't like the queers. So um,、uh-huh. it's actually about a couple of cultivators, which are magical warriors who are platonic, quote unquote, platonic soulmates. Yes, just as platonic as Zena and. Gabrielle, absolutely, absolutely. So the funny part about this show is, I started watching it because during the pandemic, it did things to all of us. And to me, what it did was a. You already called it out. I started reading a shit ton of fan fiction again, which is something I haven't done since I was like in my early twenties. And I dusted off my Tumblr account, which is also something I hadn't done in probably eight nine years. And all of these people on Tumblr were like really into the show. And if you know anything about Tumblrs, Tumblr likes to take a lot of things and make them queer. So I always assume、yes. that the source material just isn't. So I was like, oh, so many people are into the show. I went and I started watching it, not actually knowing it was a queer show. And I got like two or three episodes in, and I'm like, wait a second, this is very gay. <laughs> <laughs> And、uh, I I went and looked it up, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that source material is is actually pretty gay. So, yeah,、mm-hmm. I、uh, I binged that show. What did what did I say? I think I so I watched it in early 2021, and I watched all、mm-hmm. 50 hour long episodes in 10 days. So I was super into it. Again, pandemic does things to us, and that was one of the things it did to me. But it was totally worth it. Yes, and then you said it was so good that you talked <laughs> Neil and I into watching it. And in fact, not only did we watch it, but we would get on the phone with Amanda、mm-hmm. because unfortunately we do not live in the same city. So we'd get on the phone with you. We would both hit play at the same time, and so we watched this whole series together. In what I think was kind of one of the funniest. Moments, but unfortunately, possibly slightly traumatizing for one of my kids was when you stayed with us at Christmas, and we're about halfway through the series, and it was like it was kind of fine because like the violence was mostly super cheesy to that、mm-hmm. point, and so the littlest one was hanging out with us while we were watching it. Until there's a scene where like somebody opens up a box and there's like two eyeballs in there. <laughs> So and like you are understating the fact. So your youngest not only was just really into it, she was keeping up like way better, like probably、oh, yeah. better than we were. Like she was following.、Yes. This show can be actually really ridiculously complex unnecessarily, and、mm-hmm. the fact that she was following all of these characters and asking all of these like super intuitive questions, and was just really excited to be watching it with us. And then this、yeah. one moment where sh- this poor kid gets scared to shit because、yep. of these eyeballs in this box. I wasn't sure if we were going to、uh, laugh at your child's trauma on the podcast, but I am glad that we have. I mean, she seems to have forgotten about it. Good,、so、good, good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> it could be worse. Yeah. So, can you? Do you want to try to sort of describe? What it's about? Because you got as far as platonic soulmates before I no made a sarcastic response. I mean, no, that's fair, especially since platonic. As I said, platonic is definitely in quotation marks because it's it's quite gay. One of the funniest things that I think happens is that every single time the two main characters are in a scene together, their cheesy love romantic. Music plays in the background,、uh, and one of the things、oh, yes. that BL shows tend to do, I've been discovering, is have the actors sing these romantic songs to each other. So you can actually find that, and they're singing it, and it is hilarious. But yeah, I guess like the premise of the show is basically, you know, one of the one of the protagonists is kind of the bad boy, the you know the dark. Uh-huh. The the dark agent or whatever, and he's outcasted by by all of their societies, and you know I, I think we're going to scrap that. 
I think I'm doing a terrible job at that. No, you're not. So I think, well, I mean, he is sort of the, the, the darker, the bad boy. He go, we see him go through some things that make him darker, Mm -hmm. but he's also kind of like the goofy one, the fun loving one, the one who's like, Hey, I'm going to sneak liquor into this compound. That's definitely not supposed to have liquor into it. Yeah. I like to think of him as being like a golden retriever. Who goes through some shit. Yes. And I think also one of the fun things is, is that I think he was your favorite character, whereas the other protagonist was my favorite character. The other protagonist is the straight-faced, grumpy, serious guy who falls completely head over heels in love with this dork. And, you know, there's there's these moments of gay panic on his face that are really fun and and yeah, so basically they, they try to navigate this world filled with like clan rivalries. And there's an overarching plot of there is a bad guy and it's, they haven't figured out who it is yet. Like there's some sort of mastermind, you know, who has caused the death of like certain key figures, uh, including Wei Wuxian, like the, the main character that you like. Actually, this is not a spoiler because this is how the show starts. Uh, he he dies early, like in the first episode, and then comes back to life to basically track down this killer. And it, it it's a really odd format. One of the things I have to say is, if you want to give this a shot, watch four episodes. Don't quit at one. Yes. Watch four because the yes. first three, they didn't need to put the first three in the beginning. So the first three kind of start in the middle. And then on the on episode four, they they do a thirty episode long flashback. So really, episode four is the start of the story. And I really wish they had mm-hmm. started there, but they don't. But that's that's my uh, recommendation for anybody who kind of wants to to check it out. Yes, fully fully agree with that. It's it's one of those things that are really difficult to talk about. Exactly why you like it so much, like. It's very beautifully shot. Uh, the costumes are incredible. And I think there is, mm-hmm. you know, to an extent, something really interesting as a storyteller in the Western world, seeing things from a new perspective. Like, I'm not familiar with tropes and, you know, storylines and stuff from China. And so all of that was really interesting to me. So that was very cool. I think one of the things that I especially loved about it is the plausible deniability of the queerness Mm -hmm. because it definitely like it hits that fine line of they never hold hands they don't make out but also in some ways it's kind of like watching a Jane Austen drama Mm. where it's like "Mm, those looks are awfully long (laughs) oh you're lingering right there did your pinky brush a pinky like did that happen and like it's kind of lovely I really liked that Mm -hmm. I would say the one challenge that I had with this show is that it takes place over the course of so many years and the cast is so massive and we took probably what nine months to watch our way through maybe even more so i'm like maybe yeah maybe more pretty close to a year and i mean you said you did your first watch through in 10 days so it might be easier if you do kind of pound through it like that but for me the further we got in the series the more i was like who is this Mm -hmm. who is this like if it's a person who hasn't shown up in a long time Mm -hmm. i was just like who's this person and why are they here and then like you or neil would say well don't you remember this situation and then i would say no, which might also be because half the time I was baked. So, I mean, who can say? I actually recommend watching the show sober. It makes it much easier to follow. Yeah, I could see that. If you do that. I could definitely see yeah. that. That's my fault. That's my dad. <laughs> well, and... But I enjoyed it. It was great. Like, this is one of those shows that I do, like, I actually do recommend to everybody. There are other shows, like BL shows, that... You know, I, I talk about the show Guardian all the time to you. It's one of the ones I'm really interested in right now. But that's not necessarily a show. I'm like, you need to watch it, Tara. You probably don't need to watch that one. But <laughs> The Untamed, you, like, um, it's just so well shot. It's so well written. It's very mm-hmm. interesting. It has, like, this 
epicness to it that people who really kind of can get yes. into some of those HBO fantasies uh, can appreciate this as well. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's my recommendation, I, I guess. We both recommend it. Honestly, I would have recommended it beforehand, but I wasn't sure how to describe it succinctly. And I don't think I did any better at all, but it was sure fun. And one of one of my favorite things is how you keep calling them our sweet queer boys. <laughs> and that's really the they whole vibe. are. Yeah. 100%, right? Yeah, that was Amanda, Neil, and I are in a Dungeons & Dragons group with a couple of friends. And I think I, I called it our gay boys in love show. And our friend Taylor was like, what? <laughs> And then we had to explain because, yeah, that's just what I like to call it because that's that's what it's that's what it's about. Yes, the epicness. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. The settings. Gorgeous. But what does it for me? These two dudes. Yeah. Let, let's not go. Uh, yeah. Let's go watch a couple of guys not kiss. Yeah. Why not? Right. <laughs> no, it was great. All right. That is that's it. That's all for this episode. Thank you so much for everybody listening. Thank you so much, Amanda, for coming. Yeah, thank you for having me. I um, Thank you for having me while I'm sick. So probably not as articulate as I could have been, but I had a lot of fun. I love talking to you. Hooray! That makes friendship so so much easier and so much less awkward. (laughs) Yeah, Neil stopped paying me a while ago. Well, I mean, budgets, right? I hear there's a recession, Mm -hmm. the economy, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. For people listening, if you've enjoyed this show, please make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You'll get notified whenever we release an episode. If you have a friend who you think would like the show and needs more queer media recommendations in their life, please let them know about it. Like I mentioned earlier, if you'd like to support the show, we have a link to Kofi in the notes. Or if you want to connect with Chris or I on our favorite social media sites, just search for Queerly Recommended on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or email us at podcast at queerlyrecommended.com. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.